Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Consequence Uncut, a series that gives listeners and readers a deeper dive into our features with major artists. For this episode, we're talking to our 2023 Rookie of the Year, Blonde Shell. She took the time to kind of like make me feel comfortable and take me under her wing and welcome me to the tour. And it was kind of moving because... I just don't think that that's something that happens all the time. I sort of felt like, okay, this is just like a good example of how you treat people on tour and how you kind of welcome people and be a role model, I guess. So I will never forget that. I'm Nijan, lead podcast producer at Consequence. I am Paolo, an associate editor at Consequence. Paolo, weren't you just here? Like, what's going on? I'm back. Hello again. I'm back. <laughs> well, if you're listening, I don't do all the interviews at Consequence. I promise. Are you? I don't know. If, I don't know if that's true. Although Jonah's pretty cool as well, and I will be talking to Spencer as well this week um, with oh, another good. special, um, like end of the year wrap up interview. But I'm so glad that you were able to bring us this Rookie of the Year interview. I know that you're not writing the article, but you were there in the interview. So a lot of what we have from Blonde Chill is actually just thanks to your wonderful personality. Oh, that's so sweet. And it was a huge pleasure to be able to chat with Blanchelle. We had a really wonderful conversation. And I know that on staff at Consequence, we've all been very, very into her album from earlier this year. In our mid-year list, our songs list, we named Salad the best song of the year so far. It's one of our favorites across the board as a staff. So it was great taking a a little bit of a post-album dive with Blanchelle into what she's doing now, her opening slot uh, for Liz Fair's Exile in Guyville tour, and what's been inspiring her lately. Hello in the interview, she's like, I'm reading this book that everyone's reading. And you're like, and you're like, no, I don't know this book. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, I read a lot of articles. I don't read as many books yet. Yet. No worries. No, I'm a I'm I'm a big book reader, but like I'm I read like Bridgerton and like fantasy novels. So like, <laughs> you know, it's it's not as highbrow. My novel era is coming, I promise. Okay, novel era. When the time Into is it. when the time is right. <laughs> No, but I, I just I just think it shows that, like, you know, beyond being a, a fantastic musician and performer, there's so many levels to her music. And I think you had a really interesting conversation, even just about, like, the types of things that are inspiring her to write music. One of my favorite parts of this interview is I bring up a line in her song, Veronica Mars. It's my favorite line where she says, quote, Logan's a dick, referring to the character in that show. I'm learning that's hot. And, you know, the line really is about how, you know, especially young girls, especially in the 2000s, there were all of these sort of messages and these kind of codes that really taught women that they did not deserve men that were nice to them. Which is crazy. At a very very basic kind of primal level. Um, And that led us to really just kind of talking about some of the other, you know, 2000s cultural events or content that we took in as young kids 
and realizing that those messages just don't hold up and were so wrong to begin with. I bring up, obviously, one of the biggest events of that era was the Janet Jackson Super Bowl performance. Oh, my God. How absolutely ridiculous that her, you know, her being canceled for that whole situation was just kind of insane. Absolutely. And then similarly, she really brought up, I think, a lot of, like, the sort of fat phobia of the 2000s. Oh and my that God, yeah. There were so many messages, especially targeted towards women, about how if you are overweight, you must be taught to hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is just so obviously wrong, but mm-hmm. also is just such a clear example of how, yeah, that just wasn't something that we should have been telling young people. And I'm glad that we're trying to reverse some of that now. I know. And like, even just, just thinking about this year, like with so many female artists being nominated for Grammys, you know, um, on, on, a, on, a, on one of our podcasts, they, they actually mentioned that we're in the age of feminism right now because it's the Beyonce, the Beyonce Taylor Swift summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And Barbie, don't forget Barbie. And Barbie. And then thinking of artists like Dua Lipa coming out with Houdini about how she's about to like disappear because the guy's no good. We're hopefully entering a new phase and telling people <laughs> to value themselves. You know, obviously, you know, coming from a certain era, we now see the era of our ways. Like, if you ever want to see something really crazy, go watch Charmed and think about oh, yeah. the number of like subtle, like very like male gazy things that happen there. It's actually kind of traumatic. Oh, uh, yeah. The CW uh, was a little, oh, excuse me, the WB, as it was known back then, yeah. maybe did some some harm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, we can a, maybe say that. A show about three women written by men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that being said, I mean, this conversation really, really is just a testament to how on the nose Blanchelle has been this year and how excited we are for what's to come. And I mean, even just like thinking about just like, teaching herself guitar during COVID and then like having that really influence her whole next album. Like I was like, that is some, that is some serious stuff, you know, to be like that confident to then use those skills for like a whole new piece of work. It's incredible. Totally. She definitely put the work in. I think that that's very clear. And she does talk about kind of how she's feeling for the next album. Yeah. Uh, obviously, nothing's been announced yet, but she's working on those songs now. It was great to get a little inside scoop on where she's at with that. I know. Well, thanks for the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not much of a scoop. I know, I know. Well, thank you so much for this article, and I can't wait for everyone to enjoy. So you can check out the full article on Consequence.net. And before I let you go, I just wanted to let everyone know that this month we're trying to spread the word about Consequence Uncut. So we need your help. Please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit the follow button, and leave us a review. Not only is this a quick way for you to show your support, it will give you a chance to win some exclusive Consequence merch, our little holiday gift to you. Just head to the link in the show notes and submit your info along with a screenshot of your review. We'll be shouting out the winners later in December, so please leave your review as soon as possible. Thank you so much for helping Consequence Uncut grow. So now I'll turn it over to Paolo and Blanchel for this Rookie of the Year interview. Please enjoy. So we have named Blanchel our Rookie of the Year of 2023. We're very excited. We were very, very hot on this Blanchel album this year. We loved that mixtape video that you made in LA with us earlier. We loved your track by track. 
we feel like it's been a blonde shell year. Obviously, rookie is a bit of an arbitrary thing. You've been around for so long that I feel like it's like you're not quite a rookie. But we still think that it is a very deserving title for the music that you put out this year and how much touring you've done. So before we really get into it, I'd just love to hear, yeah, what that means, what this year has meant for you with the new album, with all the touring and such. I mean, this year has meant so much to me because it's the first time that I put out a full album. So I do kind of feel like a rookie. Yeah. (laughs) My first album. And it's the first time that I put out music that I feel really proud of that I can like stand behind and be like, this is actually who I am as an artist. So I think it's it's appropriate. And it's just been a year of like a lot of firsts, I think. First time doing my own tour first album, first, like all these different things, first time in all these places. So it's been a really exciting year. Wonderful. That's great to hear. I'd love to hear first and foremost, as you are on the road right now, what these shows with Liz Fair have been like. They've been so cool. I mean, I've respected her and looked up to her for a really long time. So it's cool just to see her show. Mm -hmm. The first show was like maybe 10 days ago or something. And I heard all of the songs that I was like, okay, I need to, we're like packing up and I was like, oh, I need to go listen because I love the song. Oh, no, no, I need to go back. I love this song. Like I kept wanting to go back and watch. And so it's been cool from that perspective, but playing the shows has been great just because it's like, it's just different people. Like the people that are going to her show are different from people I've had at my show. And um, Mm -hmm. it's exciting for that reason. Nice. And big rooms, obviously, (laughs) a very, very large venues. Does you feel like, Even as an opener, is that a little bit of a challenge or are you just acing it every day? I think there's always like it's going to vary in terms of how I feel about a given performance for so many reasons. And Mm -hmm. I think something I learned this year, because like you said, I was touring a lot. Something that I learned is that I used to sort of feel like it was either a good show or a bad show. And it was just either I was happy with the performance or I was really upset about the performance. And something that I've learned that I think is kind of healthy for me is just that there's like all it's a whole gradient and there's all of these different kind of like places for it to be. It's not just good or bad. It's a whole spectrum of, okay, maybe this one thing wasn't perfect, but this other thing was cool and I've never done that before. Or I'm proud of how my voice sounded, but I wasn't comfortable moving around as much. Like there is all these different kind of ways to look at it. And that's something I've learned. Yeah, all these variables. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, just how this was a year of firsts. And I was looking at your tour schedule this year. Again, very extensive. But you did get to go to some awesome places, play some great festivals. I want to hear you were in Iceland earlier this month, right? Uh, yeah. For Iceland Airways. What was that like? That I, is like one festival I've wanted to go to for like the last 10 years. It looks so cool. It was amazing. We went to... A bunch of different kind of like tourist places which was really exciting and we played two shows and it was freezing but they were kind of like this is not nearly as cold as it gets because it was the beginning of November but I was freezing yeah. I was in like 10 layers it was really fun yeah that festival was amazing I've noticed that you've been playing a cover of La Tigre's Decepticon which I just think is an amazing song an absolute classic I would just yeah, love to hear that's obviously been in the set for a while now. What was your decision to include that song rather than just being something that you played for fun, but to actually put it in the set? Well, Kathleen Hanna is the goat. So She's the goat. 
absolute goat. And I just was listening to that album a lot and kept coming back to that song. And I just wanted to play it because I thought it would be so fun to play it. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like I I need to play this because of any other reason. I just was like, this song is so good and it's so much fun. I also think that the people who are coming to these shows typically know that song, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Because if you're an opener, they most likely don't know who you are. And it can be a lot yeah. for people to sit through like 45 minutes of songs they don't know. So I think it's kind of nice to add a song that people do know, but mostly it's just like that song is awesome and really fun to play live. Absolutely. So since you did play a lot of these shows, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if there's maybe a, a particular memory, perhaps when you were overseas or playing one of the Liz Fair shows um, that you really can select and treasure from this year. Obviously, there's probably been a lot of great memories. But yeah, what's one tour memory that really rings out to you? Well, the first show that that we played on this tour, I was sort of like getting there being like just trying to find my footing. And, you know, it's kind of different than playing my own shows, opening for somebody. And I'm just like trying to do the thing. And I was like, somebody told me that Liz wanted to say hi. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then when I got off stage after the first show, she was like waiting there side stage to say hi. And she like gave me the world's biggest hug and was like, I'm so happy you're here. And it just was a really kind of moving thing for me because it was the first night of her tour and she took the time instead of like warming up and doing whatever during those however long like she was watching our set for a while and she could have been doing a lot of other things and she took the time to kind of like make me feel comfortable and take me under her wing and welcome me to the tour and it was kind of moving because I just don't think that that's something that happens all the time I sort of felt like, okay, this is, it's just like a good example of how you treat people on tour and how you kind of welcome people and be a role model, I guess. So I will never forget that. That's so sweet. And yeah, I like that you kind of mentioned that, you know, she could have so easily made it about herself because it was the first night of her tour. But like the kind of automatic, like, no, this is a new opener. I really want to make her feel comfortable. That's yeah, I mean, the first night is such a big, such a big thing, like making yeah. sure that everything is going smoothly and like warming up your voice and all this stuff. And she told me she hadn't played a show in a couple of years and she yeah. still took the time to like watch my set and then talk to me after and make me feel welcome. That's that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So going back to the album from this year, there's a lot of, of course, amazing things that have come out of this album. But one of the things that uh, when I was re-listening this week, it just really feels like such an incredible guitar album. And I just love to hear you kind of talk about your journey with the guitar, how long you've been playing, maybe what was that first song that you were like, I really want to learn this on guitar. And yeah, just talk to me about your relationship to that instrument. Yeah. So I always thought that, I don't know, I was always kind of drawn to guitar. But when I was a kid, we had a piano. So I started by playing piano. And that was kind of my main instrument when I was learning music and learning how to sing and all that. I was more focused on piano. And then, but then I got a guitar when I was like 12 or a little bit younger than that, maybe. And was sort of not taking it as seriously as piano and singing, but was like kind of playing around. And it kind of stayed like that. 
most of my life where I was kind of like, this is fun, but I'm not really taking it that seriously. And then in COVID, I was like, I really want to get better at guitar. And that's going to be my whole goal for COVID because there's so much boredom. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I just whenever I'm bored, I want to just try to get a little bit better at guitar. And then there was a lot of like, I wanted to procrastinate and didn't want to be so disciplined at like, whatever, learning new chords and things like that. So I would write. And a lot of my songs came from that. But it was just something that I really leaned on when I was having a hard time in COVID was like, I just, it was like a crutch for me. So I was listening to a lot of guitar from the 80s and some 90s stuff too, a lot of Britpop and ended up trying to like study those songs on guitar. Nice. And now you're shredding every day, basically. Well, (laughs) I don't play guitar during my show. You don't, but what on the record, he sounds like it. Did you play how much of, I guess, the guitar? I mean, you probably laid it all down and then, but like, end of Veronica Mars? No, that was not me. That was not me. <laughs> that wasn't you? That was oh. a guy named Sam Stewart. I see. Who is incredible. And I love working with him. And that was his solo. There was, I wrote all the songs on guitar. So like the chords and stuff like that. And there was a lot of like, little rhythmic things that I played. And when we demoed everything, I played stuff. But the shredding was not me. The shredding was this guy, Sam Stewart. Absolutely. I love that. I do want to ask about that song, Veronica Mars. That's, I think, my favorite song on the album. And I just, I keep going back to Logan's a dick. I'm learning that's hot. That Mm -hmm. makes me think just a lot about, we're kind of around the same age. And just makes me think about a lot of the shit that we saw when we were kids that obviously doesn't hold up now. But like, those kind of messages are so important when you're forming an identity, you're forming your adolescence. Have you thought about any other kind of things that maybe we saw when we were growing up that like you look back and you're like, I can't believe that's something that we, that's a message that we sent to young people? Yeah, there are so many messages like that because I was born in 97 and I think the 2000s were just like criminal in terms of the messaging and media and the way that- mm-hmm. Things like tabloids and TV shows and whatever would just like rip women apart. And I think and also just the way that we talked about being queer and queer identity was so fucked up. But I think the thing that I'm thinking about in my everyday life, for the most part, is just the way that we talk about women's bodies and food and like size and the way that that was talked about in magazines, because I was reading that kind of stuff when I was in my formative years. I remember seeing there was always like literal weight was written down in tabloids and stuff like, oh, this person weighs this much calories, like all this kind of quantifying of different food things and bodies and attaching that to people's value. That's something that I think is probably sticks with me the most from the messaging in that era. And I think in that song, I didn't talk about that in particular. I was talking more about like the message that if someone treats you well, they're not hot. That That's sort mm-hmm. of the message that I was talking about. But I think it's all kind of the same vibe to me. It's all this kind of, yeah. you know, let's keep women in their place so that they don't get more powerful kind of a thing. Definitely. I love that you said that. I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about just that Super Bowl performance and the way it fucking ruined Janet Jackson's life. Yeah, I think about that a lot. For no reason. And like really symbolizes that whole era, like 2004, like just the kind of furthest extent of this kind of shame that we inflicted upon women. It was just so unbelievable to me. Yeah, she got canceled for something that he did. 
Yeah, exactly. And it it was also like the Viacom president was like the reason that that went so, you know, hard for her. It's just like the whole system reinforced it. And I think that that's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fucked up. I want to also ask about, you know, just because this this album had been such a, a long time coming, it was really about three three years ago that you had started working on it. Do you feel almost like you're a different person now that, you know, you've been kind of three years removed from from some of those songs? And do you feel like, yeah, you're kind of coming into like a new phase? I think there's times where I can look back and be like, oh, I was so different then. But I don't feel that way about when I started making this album. I think because when I started making this album, it was like right when I had changed. So maybe four years, if I look at me four years ago, five years ago, then I feel like a really different person. Three years ago, I see a lot of differences in stuff, but I'm, I don't feel too much like a different person. But I feel like enough time has passed that I'm, I'm ready to kind of like be writing again and stuff like that. Wonderful. Yeah, I'd love to ask. You can share h- however much you like just about, yeah, what the next album is looking like for you, some themes that you'd really like to explore. The next album, I mean, I've started writing, but it's not it's not done at all. So yeah. something that I've noticed is that with the last album, I was talking about a lot of bigger themes kind of funneled into dating. And there was a mm-hmm. lot of like, I'm talking about relationships on the surface, but what I'm really talking about is like self-worth. And I think on the next album, the stuff that I'm writing now, it's not as much through the lens of dating. It's more like the form, real formative relationships that um, are underneath that. And like, if you're choosing to date people who aren't so nice, like I talked about on the first album, the second album's kind of like, why were you, why am I choosing that? Definitely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, whatever materializes, I know we're all going to be very excited to hear it. Um, what is inspiring you lately? Any albums you've heard or movies that you've seen or TV shows? Uh, What's kind of lighting the creative fire in your belly right now? I'm reading a book that everybody's reading right now. So I'm always kind of like, everyone's talking about it, but I'm reading this book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. You know that book? I don't. Tell me about it. Tell me why everyone's reading it. It's good. It's like these college kids who start a video game company and there's three of them and kind of their friendship and their dynamics And so I'm almost done with that book. And that's been inspiring me. I think also just traveling and sort of like having my whole life at home and my relationships and my friendships and all that stuff at home while I'm kind of like going from place to place and I'm doing this really exciting thing, but everybody else is at home. That's sort of a part of life that I've never experienced. So that's making me look at relationships differently and want to write. And then... I'm always listening to new music. So listening to like finding new music and stuff is inspiring me. Wonderful. Who are the new artists that you've been loving in the last? I knew you were going to ask. I knew I I have to ask. And I have to look like I always when people ask me, I'm like, I have to look at my spot. You did so great with the mixtapes. I just had to like there was such a variety of the songs that you chose that I was like, well, I got to ask. Well, because that was like, okay, this given like, okay, you're in high, I remember that. It was like, you're at a high school party. What are you listening to? You're doing this. What are you listening to? And that's easier. Okay, I've been listening to Mitski, obviously. I've been listening to Amare. Since I was in Iceland, I was listening to Sigur Ross. 
perfect, <laughs> appropriate. Appropriate. I've been listening to Wings. Um, Wings, okay. Yeah, which I've realized is just back. Wings is just the steely danification of the Beatles. Of Paul McCartney, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been listening to that. What else have I been listening to? Bad Brains, obviously. About to be in DC. Wow, big variety here. Zach Bryan. We love Zach Bryan. I love Zach Bryan. Everyone loves Zach Bryan. Everyone loves Noah Khan. I've been listening to them too. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I have one last question. Um, and this I just thought was interesting because we're we're opposites in that I grew up in LA and then moved to New York. You grew up in New York and then moved to LA, right? That's right. You still live in LA? Yeah. Relative LA? Yes. So what do you ever miss living in New York or do you kind of ever think like, oh, what would it be like if I was still in New York or um, if I hadn't done the LA thing? Do you ever kind of think about like the two kind of canceling each other out? Sometimes I do. Yeah. When I left New York, I was like, I never want to see this city again. I was like, yeah. every block I'm on, I'm just like, this happened here. This happened here. Everything is just like ruined by me having like by having been there so many times and having seen it so many times, I was like, I'm so sick of this city, but I've been gone long enough that now I really miss it. And the things that I like about LA and that I hated about New York, I'm starting to miss about New York again. And mm -hmm. I'm trying, I'm starting to get sick of those things in LA, if that makes sense. So yeah. for a long time, I was like, I never want to go back there. But now I'm, I am actually starting to be like, what if I move back? What if I spent more time there? Just the excitement of New York. Definitely. Yeah, I want to move back to LA, but I don't want to sit in traffic for- The traffic sucks. I cannot do the traffic anymore. I feel like 10 years ago when I was growing up, I was like, this is fine. But now I go back home and I'm like, why are we- No, doing it's so bad. I went to a doctor on the west side and I live on the east side. And it took me an hour and a half to get home. And I was like, it's terrible. This is terrible. I'm spending an hour and a they half. They needed to like, There needs to be better. I mean, I don't know how they're ever going to fix the transit situation in LA, but it's got to happen. And that's why point. we're in music. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's all the questions I had for you today, Sabrina. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with me and, you know, really kind of going through the deep dive of touring and the album and we're just we're such big fans at consequence i'm a big fan I, I love this album thank you 